0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. Well, thanks for singing with us, folks. Um, as we sang that song, you know I was singing with an awareness of a lot of the heaviness that some of our congregation is experiencing right now, um, and we've talked a lot about that. It seems that our series on Lamentations over the last few weeks has kind of given us permission to let people know that life is hard, that it's that we're hurting, and and several of you. Um, have expressed that to me. We've been praying for you. We have a list of all those prayer needs on our, on our wall in our offices. Our elders faithfully pray over them. And that song's just a great reminder that it's through it that our eyes are on him. It's not a promise that says, if my eyes are on him, I won't have to go through it. It's, it's that I have a place to look when we go through it because life is hard. Uh, So be praying for each other. You know, maybe, maybe you're in the season that, you know, hey, these picnics and fireworks, yeah, that's my soul right now. I'm feeling the fireworks of life. It's good. It's explosive, and it's awesome, and it's wow. You know, that's your life. Well, celebrate that. Thank God for it. But remember, there's people in our church family that aren't there. Oh, the boom is there, and the explosions are there, but they feel more destructive than celebratory, if you know what I mean. Uh, So be praying. Pray especially for Julie and Paul today. Uh, They got some really tough news uh, this morning, so their hearts are really hurting. So just just take those names to the Lord, Julie and Paul. But let's turn in our scriptures to John chapter 13. I'm really excited about starting a a short series that kicks off our summer. Uh, It's a series called Habits. It's a look at what it is in the Christian life that gives life. What, how, because we're looking for life. In fact, as we said, it's summer, and it's officially summer, right? Fourth of July is kind of when, you, okay, now you know it's summer, right, with the festivities. And so the barbecues are in full swing, and the parades are going, and the fireworks, and people are camping. Some of you are here today. Raise your hand if you're here because you're camping. Uh Uh-huh, there's some of you. Uh, Raise your hand if you're not here because you're camping. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, aren't you funny? So that's going on, and, you know, the life on the boat is good. Summer's that time where we think, oh, it's time to chill and relax, and the pace slows down, and my vacation time can be used, right? Because we long for that. We long for rest. We long for those experiences where we can finally breathe. But have you noticed that everything we try, as soon as it's done, it's like a blur and did it really happen, right? You ever bet away on a vacation and, man, it was great, and you link back and say, man, I could live like this. If this is retirement, sign me up, right? And then you start getting the calendar out and see when your quarters are maxed, whatever. Um, but then once you're home, or maybe it's on the drive home, your mind starts kicking in. Okay, these are the things I got to do. This is what's happening because I just took seven days off. I got to make up for seven days of all this stuff, whether it's at home or at work or whatever. And, and it's not just a few days and suddenly you're at that hectic pace again. I mean, I, I celebrate the times of refreshments. I mean, I, I had already this summer that experience of sailing across Lake St. Clair, a large sailboat with just the wind, pushing our boat, not our boat, when your friend has a boat, (laughs) it's our boat, right? Pushing that sailboat across Lake St. Clair. You couldn't hear a thing except the conversation we were having, it was, oh, it's so relaxing. You lean back and think, wow, this is so peaceful. Then we turned around, we came back, got on shore. You start driving Jefferson back home, and you think, oh, okay, peace is gone. (laughs) Right? I had time here a week ago, and Nancy and I uh, celebrated our anniversary together camping up in Traverse City, and so I had my anti-gravity chair, lean back with my coffee and the crackling fire. There's no kids. It's like peace. It's so good. Then came Friday. Got to pack up the camper and put everything away, get home, clean up. The pace goes right back. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way that we could live restful? That'd be incredible. Well, here's the thing Jesus said to his disciples, that had just heard the arguments from the Pharisees criticizing them. Why aren't they doing all the things they're supposed to do according to our law? And Jesus says to them, You know, guys, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. And go tell people that everybody that's weary and heavy laden, tell them to come to me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus seemed to have a key understanding of life in the kingdom that it is a life of peace and rest. It doesn't mean that there's not pressure and stress, but in the midst of it, it's kind of like the song we sang, as I go through the storm, my eyes are on him, and I know that he's got this. So that's what Jesus said, and then... In John chapter 13, the passage we're going to look at today, Jesus models for us a part of that kingdom living and then challenges us to live that way so we can experience the rest that he provides. So John chapter 13, this account is the, the last meal that Jesus would have with his disciples just before his crucifixion. And he reveals in his, at the at close of that meal... That serving others is the way of restful life. Serving others is the way of abundant life. Look with me at John 13, verse 1. We see that, first of all, Jesus calls us to serve like he served. John 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart and out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, And during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here's this final moment with his disciples, right? Time is short. His ministry was coming to an end. He only had a few more things he could possibly say to them. And for some reason, he decides that the greatest lesson they need to learn at this moment as he's about to depart is the lesson of the power of serving. There was a task needed in the country of Palestine and people traveled through the dusty roads with with their sandals, right? And what was typical in in affluent homes is right inside the door, you'd have a basin of water. And so a servant was typically placed there when guests came in. He would wash their feet of the guest. It would be refreshing. It would be hygienic. It would be a good thing to do. But in most places where there wasn't the affluence... It was up to somebody to take that role. Well, here in this borrowed room that Jesus was using with his disciples, there was nobody to take that place. And according to Luke's gospel, the disciples were kind of caught up in something completely different. They didn't have time to even think about who's going to wash the feet of all of us here. No, they were thinking about Jesus' words that the kingdom of heaven is about to come. So they were thinking, okay, well, where am I going to sit? And they started arguing with themselves about like who would get closest to Jesus once the kingdom, excuse me, the kingdom was set. Who would be like his right hand man? And so they were arguing with themselves, well, who deserves it more? They failed to even consider that there is a there's really an important task that is even part of this Passover celebration that was been neglected. And so Jesus sees it as an opportunity. He knew, Jesus knew that these men would be leading his church, laying a foundation for what we can experience today as believers in Jesus in this tiny little town of Algonac, so far away from, from Israel where Jesus began this incredible movement. This church would spread throughout all the nations of the world and these disciples would be the ones that like, they started it. And Jesus said, they need to know something. They're not picking up yet. So he paused what he was doing. He went, he grabbed a towel and the basin of water, and he went to the feet of his disciples. And he washed their feet. This was the greatest teacher the world had ever known. And he takes this posture. And he's, Later, he would say in verse 15, he would say, what you have seen me do, now you do. In fact, churches, many of them have taken that phrase of Jesus, what you have seen. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. They've taken that literally, and it's part of many churches' liturgy as they worship. They have a time in their worship services where there is a foot washing to remember this very important concept that Jesus had left for the church I don't know that it needs to be part of liturgy in fact I find that when you make something a part of liturgy sometimes that becomes where it resides instead of how we live instead I believe Jesus is calling his disciples to live this way as the greatest example he's saying follow what I've done for you You know, I don't know what you do well in life, but I'll bet if you do it well, you had an experience where you watched someone else do that well. When I was 13 years old, we moved down to Terre Haute, Indiana. And it was shortly after, I'm dating myself, it was shortly after Magic Johnson at Michigan State went up against Larry Bird from Indiana State University, which was located in Terre Haute, Indiana, They had their NCAA championship, Michigan State ruled. So we moved down to Terre Haute with our heads held high. And yet we had high regard for this Larry Bird that was arguably one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. Well, as a 13-year-old, I heard through my school that the Indiana State University coach and players were going to provide a basketball clinic for whoever wanted to sign up. Well, in our minds, these are some of the greatest players that have ever played the game, right? And we knew if we want to learn something, this is a chance. We can come and learn from this coach who was with Larry Bird as they went to this championship. This team that had become nationally known, we had a chance to learn from them. And so I sat there with my buddies hoping that some of that greatness would just drip, right? You just think, what, what drill is it that ca- would cause me to shoot free throws like Larry Bird, right? What do I need to do to make those no-look passes like he does? Surely something is there. We, we knew that there was greatness, and so we learned from them. If you want to learn what greatness is, Look to Jesus and see his priority. His final words to his disciples before his crucifixion he said, What you've seen me do, that's how you're to live. Live to serve. Not to be served, that's what the ungodly seek to do, but if you want to experience abundant life, I'm calling you to serve. Well, the story continues. It kind of takes an interesting twist. In verse 6, Jesus was washing the feet. He comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus, and don't you love that? I mean, he gets it. He knows that Jesus isn't the one that should be washed in their feet. This is his role. He should be doing this to Jesus. Jesus, you can't do No way. I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus says, well, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And then Simon Peter said to him, "Uh, well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. If I can't be a part of you unless you wash me, then wash everything. And then Jesus makes this cool statement. He said, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Now you are clean. Not every one of you, for Jesus knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. But Jesus looked to Peter and said, Peter, you are clean. I'll need to wash all of you. Peter knew the importance of being washed completely. He knew it would be ridiculous to say, Lord Jesus, please take away my potty mouth. But make, let me live selfishly. That'd be okay. That's ridiculous. Peter knew, okay, if I'm God's, everything needs to be God's. So I'm going to give everything to you. But Jesus says, actually, I've taken everything. I've washed you completely. When I I read that this week, I thought of Peter's confession to Jesus. When Jesus asked him that question, Peter, who do you think I am? Peter the disciples had made many comments about who people are saying. And then Jesus honed it in on Peter said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And, P- and Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Confesses his belief in Jesus as Lord, as the son of God. So maybe that's what Jesus was thinking of when he responds to Peter in that way, saying, Peter, you are clean. You're completely clean. I've taken care of it all. I've washed you Completely of sin. I'm just washing your feet now, Peter. I don't need to wash all of you. That's already took place. And aren't you thankful for that? When when Jesus says, and you sang about it today, there's no other fountain that is known that would wash you completely from sin. From your selfish attitude to your spouse. For you're keeping lists of all the good things you did and all the things that she didn't do. Right? Jesus washed you from that. If you've confessed him as Lord and Savior of your soul. But Jesus was making a very important concept here for his disciples. That if he has washed you, he has equipped you to serve. He was making sure his disciples knew their identity. They are his. The disciples now are, are followers of Jesus. Jesus said, my father hasn't lost any of those that I brought to him. So all those that Jesus brought to the father are the fathers, and he's caring for all of them. And no one can pluck anyone out of the father's hand. So their identity is secure, which gives them the ability to serve others. One of the the hard things about serving is that we become vulnerable. Well, what if someone doesn't serve me, right? Or, Or what if I don't get recognized for this? What if somebody criticizes me? Here I am taking my own free time, and I'm committing to this, and what if someone has the audacity to complain about what I've just done? Well, the reality is, we're, we're, we're not doing it for anybody's opinion except the king. And the king has already said, you're mine. So Jesus was helping us understand that if we have been cleaned, we have been equipped to serve others. And then the remarkable result of this in verse 12. He says, we serve others and we experience blessing. It's kind of counterintuitive. Listen to what he says. Verse 12. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed to his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly said, make sure you get this. It's almost as if he says... I'm about to go. Don't miss this. If you're going to live for me, if you're going to be my follower, this is foundational. Don't miss this. All right, let's pretend that everybody in here is here because you want to follow Jesus. All right, if you want to follow Jesus, don't miss this. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him if Jesus served, we're not greater than Jesus, so we better take that role of a servant if we have any hope of learning from him. And then he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Jesus promised that this type of living would be abundant would be blessed which he asks well how can a life spent on others result in the blessing earlier Jesus had made a similar statement but he puts it this way Matthew 16 he says whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it now Jesus puts it into practice some of you are arguing about who's going to have the best chair And I'm telling you, if you would concern yourself with serving people instead of honoring yourself, you'll find that your chair you end up with is the best chair for you. That the blessing that you really are seeking, maybe it's not specifically what you're asking for, but truly, deeply, it's what you want. It will be yours if you follow this way. What do we all want? We want rest and peace. We want abundant life. That's why Jesus is so compelling to us where he said, "I." the thief came to seek and destroy and kill, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we say, whoa, that, that's what I need. And he says, well, here's part of it. You follow my example of serving others. And you'll find that your life becomes abundant. I mean, psychologists tell us that all the time, that those that, that are struggling with dark thoughts, and depression, if they would put their attention on serving the needs of other people, you'll find those thoughts aren't so burdensome, because now you're realizing that there's other people that can be blessed. And i so, so there's the joy of using your gifts. There's the, the joy of partnering with others in ministry. There's the, there's the delight in watching other people's needs being met. There's the companionship with a community who also embraces this life of serving. But ultimately, as Colossians 3.23 says, whatever we do, we do to the Lord, knowing that it is the Lord whom we serve and he always rewards. Taking the posture of a servant guarantees that you will be honored. That might not be right now. Might not be maybe even in this life. But don't think for a minute God doesn't notice when you truly serve in his name. So just imagine what your house would be like. If you just decided, I'm, I'm just going to live like Jesus did in that. And even, even if it means washing feet, that's going to be my posture. I'm not going to keep lists. I'm not going to write on the board. Today, I served this person. And today, I served this person. And then if they don't write on the board, then you say, today I will wait to serve them again because it's their turn, right? So you're not keeping lists. You're not measuring yourself. But what you just decided that you're going to serve your spouse, kids, just imagine what would happen if your parents began to see a servant spirit from you in your home. At the workplace, just imagine what would happen if you postured yourself with that spirit, that attitude. And I know there's so much pushback on this is that you don't understand how vulnerable you are. In fact, you'd get, you'd get accused of, you know, trying to butter up to other people. Well, well, maybe, but what if they began to see that it was authentic? Just imagine how life would change. I hope that you've picked up by now here even at Woodside Algonac that this is the posture that I believe that God has called us to follow. That from the very beginning that we sought to be a congregation that didn't seek to make much about ourselves but look for ways where where there were needs and just go and serve. If there's a high water problem, we're going to be there. If the seniors are having a lack of resources, we're going to come alongside. And the things that some of you have done have been, some would say, oh, why are you guys even doing that? And and the response is because people had needs. So that's what we do. And here's here's going to be the tendency. Once we settle into some stability, you know, or we, we... build this building out. It'll be a beautiful place and pretty soon it'll be comfortable. Technology will work. It's going to be great. It's going to be so easy for us to sit back, pull the armchair, level and our feet go up and say, now it's time for us just to enjoy this. But I'm telling you, that is not where abundant life is found. May we never lose our identity of being a servant of Jesus. That's what he's called us to. I thank God that there's, there's people that are here this morning because they're serving in our community and, and the, some of the events that are going on. You know, folks, that's okay. There's needs. Do that. There's, there's some arguing taking place from couple of people that want to help this one family and one guy wants to do it this way, one guy wants to do it this way, so we're trying to help them have peace together and how we're going to help this family. And I'm thinking, you know, if we got to struggle on that, what's the best way to serve? I think that's a pretty good posture to be in. But every day we have to make that decision. Are we going to be a church that serves? Are we going to be in a life group, a small group, that comes together and we always ask that question, what can we do for Jesus this week? Or are we going to continue to be like what so many communities settle back into is how can we make this more enjoyable for ourselves? Jesus said, if you do as I've told you and serve one another like I've served you, you will be Blessed. Then what did Jesus do? After this meal, after this crazy, earth-shattering example of the greatest teacher in the world stooping and washing their feet, they sang a hymn, and they went out into the garden. Jesus had a time of passionate prayer. He was betrayed by one of those disciples, and he served all mankind in the greatest way. I was going to say imaginable. It's unimaginable where the the creator of the world took our place as sinners and was punished for us. In fact, that's what Paul says. If you want to serve, have this attitude that was in Christ, who, though he was in the position of God, did not regard it something to be clung to, but he, he emptied himself and became... Human took on human flesh and he served humanity as he was here even to the point of death and the father because he served so faithfully honored him by exalting him and giving him a name above every name at the name of Jesus every tongue would confess and every knee would bow so Jesus served and then he said so follow me so it's easy to talk about. Pretty soon we're going to dismiss and we're going to go out and then it will be hard to do. Somebody won't treat you the way that they should. They won't respond. They won't say thank you. They might not even take up your example and serve you in return. That's when he ask the question, okay, do I want the blessing from God? Do I want his abundant life or do I still think that I got to figure it out myself? What I would love to do as a church family right now is to just to contemplate this act of service and Jesus' example for us by celebrating communion. We have elements that are prepared for us. This is what Jesus instructed his church to do often when they worshiped, to take bread, break it, reminding us of his broken body, and the cup of uh, juice reminding us of his shed blood. We're going to distribute it to you. But as we're waiting for everybody to receive it, would you just take time in the quietness of your heart and thank God for serving you? Would you thank God for cleansing you and equipping you to then follow his example of being a servant? Would you just talk to him about that? Let me me pray. That's Bless God's blessing on these elements, then we'll distribute them to, to you. and if you're a follower of Jesus, we encourage you to take one of each, and in a moment we'll partake of it together. So let's pray. Father, thank you for giving to us the greatest example of servanthood. Though God of all you humbled yourself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Father, forgive us for serving to such a small degree. Forgive us for thinking so much about ourselves when we do tiny little deeds of kindness. Father, would you continue to form in us that mindset of a servant. Lord, as we celebrate what you have done for us on the cross, we pray that these elements, Lord, truly would be blessed by you. Be tangible reminders of all that you have done for us. Bless your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers will come and and give you elements to celebrate together. Encourage you just to talk to Jesus. Enjoy time contemplating his serving you. Commit yourself to serve others. Spend time with Jesus together. Well, that night that Jesus was betrayed with his disciples for this Passover meal and he concluded it by taking bread. He broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Let's remember Jesus together. In a similar way, he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's celebrate our cleansing together. What incredible generosity. And maybe, maybe this is exactly what we need as we go into the week because there'll be times where you think, eh, we may be, this, may, this serving opportunity might just be beyond what I want to do. And then maybe God will bring us back to the reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And that's just what we need to say. Yep, it's not about me. It's about others. Well, Let's stand together. I think it's good reason for us to celebrate and worship together that his spirit is truly alive in us, equipping us to be this type of servant to one another. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.